Okay, I know you just all got settled, but I'm going to ask you guys to do something really quickly. I am going to basically ask my middle section to stand up. And middle section, I want you to not just stand up, I want you to face the back for a second. The reason I'm doing this is if you go to, like, the Barna Group and you go to, like, USA Today and you look at the statistics, this is about the amount of students by the time they graduate from high school who will walk away from church. So I want you to look around the room and see how many, statistically, in a group like this that would walk away from their faith. And that should be something that doesn't settle well. Go ahead and have a seat. Tim asked me if I could talk, and I um, had just one request because I'm slightly rebellious in a really good church girl way. I asked if I could do an encounter with Christ and teach about an encounter that doesn't go like we want. It's not the perfect encounter. Um, Two weeks ago, Jordan talked about a woman who had a very unpleasant medical condition that lasted a long time. And in her mess, in her shame, in her labels that were put on her, she found healing and redemption through Christ. And then Tim last week talked about Zacchaeus. And he was a hot mess as well. He was corrupt and greedy. He um, was despised by the people around him because he was robbing from them to add to his own pocket. And he too encountered Christ and had this altering life change of going from greed to generosity. And he turned around and gave back to those he had taken from above and beyond. And so we see these two pictures of grace and healing and redemption with two people who had been on the outside, outcasted, labeled, despised, or rejected. And then today, we're going to look at a guy who looks like it from the picture. He's got it all made. He's moral. He's a very prominent figure in the religious system. People look up to him. He's wealthy. He's got youth. And he has position. And he comes to Jesus wanting something more. And so that's what we're going to look at in a second. But I want to go back to you guys standing. And the reality is, and this is a reality I have seen personally in my own life, and it's a reality I have seen in people I love dearly, and in doing growing up church and in youth group and then doing nearly 20 years of youth ministry, I've watched so many people I love dearly who I would have thought had a true life-changing relationship with Christ and were devoted and following him. And I've watched them walk away from their faith and have nothing to do with Christ again. And that is hard for me. And so... 
part of the reason why I have done youth ministry as long as I have, and that is going to be something that is I'm passionate about and continue to do, is because I hate the fact that our world sells us so many lies that there are things that are better than Christ. There are opportunities that we will miss out in in college or high school or middle school that God will be holding us back from these opportunities that could be rich and fulfilling and awesome. And we buy into that. And we think, hey, I'm young. I've got my insurance. I know how to get to heaven later on. And you miss out on the fulfilling life now. I've also watched kids who have embraced it now and really have come to not just know about God, but have known him and have experienced the great, just satisfying life that it can be. And they have done amazing, crazy things. There's kids in this room right now who are seeking after Christ and chasing him, and your life is making a difference. And you're not just going through empty motions, and you're not just playing the church game. And that is what I want to call you to. It's why the leaders here show up every Wednesday. It's why we invite you into our homes. It's why we hang out with you. We cheer you on on sports teams or dance teams or musicals or concerts. We're here to cheer you on because we have discovered in our own journeys that God is more and he is good. And he is worth the risk of anything else that we might have to set aside. So... This is where we are. The reality is every single one of you guys are going to come to different points in your life where something hard happens. When God gives you an answer that you don't want, when you might have an expectation or a dream or a desire and it goes away, or something you really enjoy but may not be the best thing for you, you might need to set it aside because God has something better. And you are going to each, at those moments, have to make a decision. Can I trust that God is better, or am I going to trust what the world is telling me? And so I want us to take a look into Luke 18. So if you guys want to join me, whether you have your phones or your Bibles, it should be up here in just a second if I figure out what I'm doing. Okay. So a ruler asked him, and they're talking about Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all of these I've kept from my youth. Now, this passage alone will speak to some of you in here. Others, maybe not. There are students in this room, and I would represent that demographic, who grew up churched and were really good at putting on the church label. We're really good at playing the game, saying the study school answers, and really impressing people with the way that we live. And better yet, we're really good at impressing God. And like, we can impress him enough that he will give us what we want. I'm going to be real. Ever since I was a little girl, the one thing I have ever wanted to do was to be a mom and to be a wife. It's what God put me on this earth for. 
I'm pretty amazing with kids. I am a baby whisperer. I am a domestic goddess when it comes to keeping things clean and tidy. I was that child who daydreamed about washing her husband's laundry and folding it. I know. I used to daydream about what my family devotions would be like around the dinner table and plan out the meal that we would eat as we did this devotional. I wanted nothing more than to be a mom and a wife. And here's the thing. I lived really good moral life. Like, I didn't party in high school and college. I was a good kid. And so God could see my credentials. Oh, by the way, I also took every note possible on any marriage parenting sermon I listened to Focus on the Family as a middle schooler, and I was, I had it stored back here. I was going to be top-notch mom, wife, with the pastor husband, by the way, because we were going to do ministry together, and it was going to be good, and people were going to be inspired by our lives, by our family, by our marriage. It was going to be awesome. That was my dream and desire, and it was only a matter of time that God would give that to me right? Because I'm good, and I've done a good job. And people who have not been as moral as me, they have boyfriends. But that's okay. God's bringing me the right one. And it takes a little bit more time to get that perfect guy, and that's what God was giving me. So here we have this young guy. He has position. He has wealth. He has everything needed to be somebody, right? He's good. He's awesome. We're going to look at him. We're going to be like, wow, I want to be like him. But yet, why is he coming to Jesus? And what's he asking Christ for? All right. We're good. All right. So, if you look what he says, he says, first of all, what can I do? Like, not what can you do for me? How can you save me? How can I be redeemed? What can I do to have eternal life? And I have, I spent a good chunk of time trying to, and and can we say eternal life, not just like heaven insurance, like, okay, I'm going to heaven, I'm not going to have to go to hell, but like eternal life, think of it as life with Christ. So that means also the abundant, rich life now. Like, you are right now experiencing the good life with God. And he's wanting this. And with that comes things like joy, peace. Peace like when you don't understand the circumstance and you should be freaking out and be all types of a mess and you have a peace about it. Peace as in, I don't get what God's doing, but I'm trusting him. Here we go. Joy like when everything is falling apart and your dreams have been squashed, but you're like, God is good. I got joy. Do you know people like this who have peace and joy and it doesn't match up with how their lives are looking? That's eternal life. That's living the rich life. That's experiencing Christ. And so he says, how can I have this eternal life? But my question is, is that what he's really seeking? What must I do? Striving in our own strengths, and human efforts, trying to earn God's approval, pat on the back, confirmation through our efforts. Like, he came wanting Jesus to be like, dude, you really are awesome. You are really good. Yes, pat on the back, good work. And is Jesus going to give us that answer? 
No, because that's a lie. That's false. We can't do anything on our own. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the results of works that any man should boast. Think about it. If we can earn it, if we can do it, why do we need God? And a lot of us live that way, impressing, doing for God, etc., but we don't actually bring God into the equation. We're not having that rich life with him. We're not relying on him. And I can tell you, there have been times where I've done ministry and served the Lord, but it was in my own efforts, and I was tired, and I was exhausted, and it was not bearing fruit, and it was not energizing. And then there are times when I had to really rely on God, and there is no way how I kept going, but yet I had all the energy in the world because it was me relying on God. So what can I do? The real question is, what have you done, and how does that change my life? Going through the motions. There are kiddos in here who are really good at going through the motions, playing the role, singing the song, raise the hand, etc., But I'm going to challenge you. Ask yourself, do I really care? Like, who is Jesus to me? Do I know about him, or do I really want to know him? Because honest truth is, I think a lot of times we are told, do this, do this, and we go through the motions, and then later down the road, we start asking these questions, we have doubts, we struggle, and then we walk away. It's okay to struggle and to wrestle with these questions. It's okay to say, hey, whoa, am I just going through motions? Or do I really know Christ? And if I don't really know Christ, what a safe place to be to go to other students who are also in that path. You have leaders who are saying, hey, I'm figuring this out too. Let's go chase him together. This is the safe place. And why those statistics are so high is kids walk away from church, they get busy in college and stuff, and then they don't have a safe place to wrestle through those, what do I really believe? Making it my faith, not just my parents' faith. For by grace you have been saved. And so last week, Tim talked about grace. And it is something we don't deserve that God willingly gives us. And it is good. So I have a question for you. And I don't have, I gave you space to write down questions because I'm a teacher. And I like for people just to ponder. I don't want answers. I want you to be able to marinate and think on these things. And so, do I truly understand that it is what Jesus did on the cross and not my own efforts that gives me this internal life, this rich life. Do I get that? Do I say it? But is it in my heart? Is it just head knowledge or do I get this? Do I simply know about God or do I really know him personally? And if you're asking these questions and you're like, I'm not sure, awesome. That's a good place to be because you're not living in like this, oh no, it's all good, and then struggle later. It's okay to wrestle and to make your faith your own. So that's the first part. There are those of us in this room, and I was in that camp, who are really good at playing the church game. We can give the Sunday school answers. We can go through the motions. But do we really get it? And if not, do you want to truly know Christ? Do you really want that real relationship with him? And now the second part. 
And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all you have, distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Uh, The Matthew version of this says, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So Jesus is like, all right, you're doing this in your own efforts, but now let's get to the other heart issue. Are you just going through the motions and knowing about me, but not knowing me? But then the second one, which hits others of us in this room, are the things of this world more appealing than Christ? Bottom line, like, are there things that you desire more? Are there things that are more important to you? Are there things that you would just much rather have than spend time in the word or in prayer or hanging out with Jesus and other Christians. And reality is, if that's a yes, then wrestle with that. And I'm going to tell you, if your answer to that is yes, then you have been sold a false and a shallow version of what a walk with Jesus can be. Because it is good. Now, remember... Very good church girl who deserved to have her amazing pastor, husband, wife, and mother. Going to be bestseller books. I will be speaking one day on Focus on the Family because I'm that good. Like, God gets the glory, but a little bit for Amy Weatherford, too. My last name won't be Weatherford then. I might hyphen it, but, you know, whatever. Probably not because I'm a good pastor's wife, so I'll just give his name mine. All right, here we go. Now... Here's the problem about that. I was doing good. I got through high school, and it's fine. Who wants to date a high school guy anyways? Sorry, high school guys. But I set my visions higher. College guys, good godly guys. It was great. And we would, I went to K-State, and I had this amazing group of friends. Why did I go to K-State? Not because I was pursuing a career. I was going to meet my pastor husband. And I needed something to do before I became a wife and mother. Because remember, I don't need a job. Wife and mother right here. But I chose the safe career path of teaching. Because if the world gets messed up enough, I can homeschool my kids. And I would learn all about kids and I'll be even better mom. So, and it would be kind of cool. Yeah, I have my teacher degree, but I just stayed home and was a mom. But anyways, that's what I did. And college came. And there were some cool guys but evidently not good enough for me. Like, they moved on, and they got married. And I watched this next phase of life where all my friends were surrendering over to this thing called marriage, and they were getting married. And, but it was okay. I still had ones who hadn't found the right guy yet either. And then about a few years later, I'm into teaching, and I'm doing this. I'm like, hey, this is cool, and I'm doing youth ministry, biding my time, getting practice, because someday my kids will be teens, Right? And so just getting that practice in is good. And then slowly God is kind of giving me this heart, like, hey, you really love this thing called youth ministry. You really enjoy watching young people fall in love with Jesus and their lives change and them go make a difference and people be shocked like, oh, wait, they're a teenager and they did that? That's awesome. And that's how it is, and it's good. And so I started enjoying this, and I enjoy teaching. I'm a social studies teacher. I love nerding out about history. It's just the way I roll. Um, But 
just doing this for now until I get married and get to be a wife and a mother, of a pastor. He's taking a long time at seminary, but it's okay. I'm still doing this. Now, then I started getting to the late 20s, and my next group of friends started getting married. And soon I'm, like, watching, like, younger siblings, kids I babysit, start dating. I'm like, that's cute. They're dating. It's fine. We're good. We're good. It's fine. God's just working on this guy. But then I started to have to have this wrestle. You're clinging so hard to the idea of being a wife and a mother, which is a good thing. And I wanted to do good things with it and glorify God through it. But what if that's not what I've called you to? What if I call you into the word I hate? Like, there is a word I hate. There's other words I might hate, but this word might seem innocent, but I hate the word single. When we talked two weeks ago about labels, that's one, you put it on me, you want to start a fight. I am not single, I'm just not married yet. Like, I hate that word. It's just, it's against everything I ever thought God wanted me to be, and it just, I despise it. Hey, you want to come to the singles group? Nope, wrong name. Like, I don't like it. But what if that's what God needs me to do? What if hanging out with Jesus, hanging out with teenage and college-age girls, and loving on them, and chasing after Christ with them, and encouraging them, and building them up in Christ, is what I actually made you be? What if... Well, I can do both because I can have a youth pastor or a college ministry husband, right? But what if? And I had to get to a point where God had to be like, are you willing to surrender even this? Now, he had to surrender other things. There were TV shows and things like that that were not good for me in my walk with Christ that were getting in the way and distracting. But this was a good one, and I had to let it go. And it was hard. And it still at times is hard because I don't know that I will ever have the pastor ride down on the white horse to me. And if he doesn't, God is good. But if he does, then God is good. Really good. But here this young man walks away because his positions, his titles, his wealth, all that he has in this image he needed, Christ was asking him to be willing to give it up. Now, I'm going to be honest. God doesn't say, all right, throw everything away. He just asks us to hold it lightly so that if he does take it from us, it's not less like tug-of-warring with him over it. And there are some days where my hands are like this with my dreams of being married and a wife, and there are some days where I'm like, (laughs) okay, Uh, all right, God. But you have to just be willing to let God know that anything is more, anything, anything that is more desirable or more important than him, that you're willing to put those things away, even if they're good things. And so, Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And this does not mean if you're wealthy, you can't enter heaven, which is good. I'm a teacher, so I'm not wealthy, and so I'm fine. But it's not saying that. It's just the more we hold on to the world, 
You can't hold on to the things of this world and chase after Christ and come and follow him at the same time because this is going to hold you back. And so Christ is saying, it is impossible. If in my own efforts I had to just give up my desire to be a wife and a mother when it is something I've wanted my whole life, I can't. But God has given me the grace and the joy and the peace to be able to surrender those things. There are things in our lives that we're like, there's no way I can give it up. And God will slowly give you what you need to get rid of those things. And sometimes it not get rid of, but just hold loosely and be willing for God to take it if he needs to, but just letting him know that he is enough. And I want to go back to, can you earn your salvation? Yes, no. No, it is only through Christ. And so once again, what is impossible for us, possible for God. This is another time where Jesus is, earlier in Luke, Jesus is talking and he says to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And reality is, as you chase after Christ and you get to know Christ, you realize this is all temporal. It's passing. We get to spend eternity with him. And not in white clouds and playing harps, but like we get to just experience true abundant life here and then beyond. And so... There is such profit in that, and there's so much we can't drag with us. You can't take all your possessions and all those things. They don't come with you. They get to stay here. And they are honestly things that will burn up, decay, rust, be destroyed. You have things that you thought were really important and awesome, and now you don't even know where they are. Think of Christmas gifts or birthday gifts over the years that you've received, and now they're laughable. But whatever I gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of my, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that p- depends on faith. And the guy who is writing this, was pretty much the rich young ruler himself. His name was Paul. At that time, he had been Saul, and he was an established religious leader. He was well looked upon, had the position, the wealth, the status, all of those things. And what he said is it's rubbish. All that I built up, all that I had is rubbish. Now, technically, if you go back to the original translation... Rubbish is an easier word to deal with, but it was like dung, like not good, like poo. So he is saying all of it is worthless compared to Christ. And this is a man who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament encouraging others to come and chase after Christ, to come and experience this. A man who was willing to endure incredible beatings and stonings and ended up being killed for this faith. And he's like, it's worth it. Follow me. 
So then Peter is standing here, and some of the disciples are watching as this young man walks away, and Jesus is saying it's impossible. And Peter says, See, we've left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. And so he is sitting here looking at this, and he's like, I, that guy just walked away, but we've left. We've come and followed you. And I love this part at the bottom. It says, he will not, you will not receive, if you leave these things, many times more in this time and in eternal life. Meaning the blessings and the treasures I'm going to be pouring out on you are going to be far more than you can imagine. The things that you're letting go you're just opening your hands so I can give you incredible things, far more than you can imagine, here in this life and beyond. Which is the other cool part about that, is we can experience it here and in eternity. So my question is, are there things holding you back? Are there things that this world is offering you that seem like, i kind of rather have that? And if they are, are you willing to look at just how great they are? Are you willing to maybe possibly slightly open that hand and see if Christ is more and wrestle with that? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. We have an enemy who wants to take anything that is good and of God, and that brings life and nourishes us and strengthens us in Christ, and he puts labels on it to make it seem less attractive, not appealing, and then plays up the things he knows are going to steal and kill our joy, our peace, things that will cause us destruction and harm and pain and have us carry baggage that Christ is like, I don't want you to have that. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted." Think about throwing off, even if it's good things, like just the desire to be a wife and a mother. Anything that's going to prevent us from fully following Christ, anything that's going to hold us back from experiencing, throw it off. Because Christ endured the cross. And what he went through, he endured that with joy, knowing that through that we could really have this relationship with him and experience abundant life with him. And then lastly, if you're not experiencing this rich, satisfying life, and you are at a point where you want that, or maybe I'm walking with God and I, it's good, but it could be more, what, what, are we gonna, what do you want to do? What, how do you want to chase after Christ? How do you want to dig into his word more? Who is that adult or friend who you're going to call to come alongside you for accountability 
What are you throwing off or putting aside so that you can just chase after him more? And the prayer of Tim, the prayer of our leadership here at the church, the prayer of each of us youth leaders is that you will desire to know him, that you will call us to chase along with him, cheer each other on. But these are a prayer that Paul wrote on behalf of some of the believers that he was investing in and loving on. And this is our prayer for you guys. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and in the light. He has delivered us from a domain of darkness and transferred us into a kingdom of his beloved Son, and in, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. And it's, that's what Christ is doing. He wants to take us out of the junk of this world, out of the dark, and bring us into light. Not just so that he can redeem us and save us so that we can spend eternity, but so that we can have a life beyond anything we can imagine. And so here's the cool part. Sometimes it feels like, well, but to do this, this is a lot of work. But then here comes the mystery of the cool thing about it. The more we throw things off and the more that we surrender to God and the more we chase after him, when we become a child of God, when we give our lives and surrender to him, he puts his Holy Spirit in us. He puts his living spirit in us. And the spirit is the one who gets to do the work, not us. And the spirit's the one that provides us the joy and the peace. And we don't have to do that. And so this is the joy part that comes. That's hard to explain. But talk to your leaders. Talk to Tim. And we'll say, I don't get it always. But there are times where I am in a situation and Amy Weatherford would handle it this way and suddenly I'm doing it this way and it is not me, it is God. There are times where I can't explain when everything's falling apart and I have joy and I am praising God and I'm like, I really should be a hot mess and be mad at God right now, but I can't be because he's that good. So, wrestle with it. Figure out who is God. Do you want to simply know about him? Or do you want to experience a deep relationship with him? Are you okay with clinging to the things of the world and going through the motions? Or do you really want that rich, abundant life? And be able to process that. Think it through. Because I promise you, Jesus is worth it. Okay, we are going to pray, and then I'm going to send you guys to small group. God, you are amazing. And we just thank you for just all the ways that you enrich us and bless us and just all that you have done. Words cannot express it. God, I pray right now for each and every student and leader here that we would just wrestle with how we can love you more and seek after you more. And if there are things that are hindering us or holding us back, Lord, I pray that you would help us surrender those things so that we can live more abundantly. Bless the conversations. Lord, I pray that if there are students here with questions, 
that they would be bold and brave to go and ask and seek others out. We love you, Lord. Bless our small group times. Amen.